And I was sitting there praying this morning, getting ready to come talk to you. And I was sitting there, and I realized the house was shaking. And I said, Lord, what in the world? Oh, it was just an earthquake. Have you, have you, any of you feel that this morning? There was an earthquake this morning. Yeah, I, mean, I kid you not. I was sitting there praying, and, I, and I, it started moving me. I'm like, I know I'm not moving like this. And I looked, and the chair next to me was moving, and the house was moving. I said, okay, a little earthquake. Amen. The things that can be shaken were shaken, but my fellowship with him was not shaken one bit. You know? Isn't that true? Your fellowship is not shaken. Let this world shake. What's it going to do? The beauty of the resurrection is after he was resurrected, he said, all power and authority has been granted unto me. <laughs> Both in the heavens and on the earth. That's what resurrection did for him. Right? He already had a lot of authority. Amen, didn't he? Devil, get behind me. <laughs> but once he was resurrected, he said, look, death has no hold on me and neither does anything else amen. amen isn't that great to be in him in him whom nothing has a hold over all this junk can be shaken and we just keep right on if it affects our body we just keep right on it's not going to matter it's not going to affect us one it's not i don't even know where to go with that we're just going to stop but uh we have a message today, but I don't know if we'll ever get there. Um, so I wanted to talk with you a little bit about what I wrote down. But first, I felt compelled to, to talk a little bit about this. And I actually didn't even look it up because it's just now kind of... We may be freestyling. Uh, no? Well, it is as long as it's not me. And I'm going to stay out of it. Um, so... Uh, you know, um, I, want, I, want, I want you to hear this, if, if you will. I'm the, just what Jesus said. He said, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. And then he brought up this interesting concept to me, and this is in John 10, 12. He says, you don't have to turn now, though. Just listen to it, if you will, and then turn, because you may interrupt somebody else. So... But a hireling is not the shepherd. One who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling. And does not care about the sheep. Now Jesus said that. And granted... He's the shepherd. But I want to I want to I want to kind of make plain a little bit about what's going on at Oasis today. We we'll use obviously we will use scripture to do it, but to lay a little bit of groundwork if we could for different stuff, okay? Because every one of us that was in church or ever watched church on TV we bring that stuff down here to Oasis, and I'm including myself in that group. And we really don't need to do that. We really just need to let God do what he wants to do. Okay? And we've been trying to push in that direction, but you understand that there's a lot of Jezebel in all of our church experiences. Right? You understand that. 
And boy, she tries to come in with you every Sunday. So we bind her, you know. I'm not talking about any person in here. I'm talking about that spirit, right? I said that one time. I had a lady leave the church. She said, He's, he was calling me Jezebel. How in the world would she have thought I was doing that from up here, not looking at her during a prayer? So she must have been Jezebel. That's what I thought. You know what they say, right? You throw a rock in amongst a bunch of dogs, the one that gets hit is the one that goes, Arp! all the rest of them are fine. So that's what I would have told her if she'd asked me. <laughs> but anyway, right? That's what the old timer said. Throw a rock in amongst a bunch of dogs, the one that gets hit is the one that yelps. Jesus did a lot of throwing rocks, and they always yelped. They always yelped. But he did it out of love. He was trying to get that junk out of them, Amen. So if he's the great shepherd, that means every under-shepherd should be, shouldn't be a hireling either. So you can't differentiate because we're in Christ. You're in Christ, and the shepherds are in Christ, right? So if you're in Christ and you're called to be a shepherd, then you can't be a hireling. So what do we do? Let me ask you a question so we can kind of get started on this thing. I'm trying to paint a picture of why Oasis should be different and what we should be doing. And so far, we've been able to do it, but we've slowed down, and that kind of, I have to get back on track. So, oh, I thought, yeah, I was going to say, I thought I had a black ma magic marker. So, take the idea of hireling right from Scripture. What would that indicate? For someone to be a hireling, what has to happen? I'd say that's pretty obvious. <laughs> I'm surprised it took you so long. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, I know. I know. Just kidding. But if you think about it, it does mean exactly that. They've been hired, right? Yeah. Well, they're hired. Is that right? All right, so let me ask you a question now. Who hired Jesus? Who hired Peter? Who hired Paul? Who hired James? Who hired them? When... Paul sent Timothy to appoint elders over churches because they weren't grown-up churches yet. Did they hire anybody? Huh, because they would have been hirelings. You're starting to understand something that, and this is, gonna, this is really going to tear some people up, okay? But the fact is, ministers are supposed to be brought up by God. They're not supposed to be hired. And I'm going to share some things with you this morning. And this is what's happening here. Nobody hired me, okay? The Lord hired me just like he hired Jesus, just like he hired Peter, just like he hired Paul, just like he hired... And he's the one that keeps me here. People have come and gone. Right? And not, I don't say that in, a, in, a, in a, any kind of way. What I'm saying is this is scriptural fact, although a lot of the church is not based on this. And what I'll say, God loves them, but he can, he can only bless so far when we're out of line. Right. And, 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 and so the point being, though, if you're in line to receive a blessing, he can send it. But if you're off over here, he can't. Right. And so I want to talk about that today because we should be pioneering new ways to meet. New ways to install ministers where they're gifting causes people to pay them instead of a budget set aside by the people that hired them. Which is generally the accepted practice and I don't know what percent of church today. But you understand 
you understand, right? Paul said, I was able to do this by the effective working of God's power. I'm going to read that for you in just a minute. What he meant was, I was able to go out and minister, though nobody knew my name. That's what Paul was saying. And I was able to make a living at doing it and other things because God's power was effective in me to call people to hear it. Does that make sense? Amen. I know this might be new now. And, and actually, the sad thing is it's probably not new. People just don't do it. They know it says it, and they just don't do it. And that's, I'll leave that to you to decide what that is. But, you know, most people have read these verses and read them literally. And they go, hmm, okay, and just keep going. Right? Should we ever do that? If we see something that ought to be done, what should we do? Otherwise, we're tolerating. If you listen to Wednesday night, you'd know we were tolerating Jezebel. Okay? Because Jezebel sets her own religion up in Christianity. And in her seminaries and other places, and in her schools and Bible schools, and through her preaching, she teaches people more about her religion than about Christ. And they become a lot more dedicated to the specific way they baptize or the specific way they take communion or the specific way they do this, that, or the other than they are Christ and loving the body of Christ and serving the body of Christ. Because the problem is you've got a bunch of Christians come to church and don't serve at church. They don't serve in church. And it's clear that your salvation is tied to works, right? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. You say by grace, it's not of yourselves, right? And then it goes, goes on to say that it's not the works that save you. God saved you, but what does it say? You are his work. And then it says, and you were created as his work unto good works. So if you don't have service, it gets kind of quiet. It gets kind of quiet. Because you, then you become a believer only in word and not in deed. And James said that kind of salvation is false. James said if you don't have works to go with your faith, then your faith is dead. In other words, it doesn't actually produce what you aspire to or what you confess, right? Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's what he said. So look at this with me, if you will. I want to talk to you about Paul's grace Apostle Paul, Paul's grace from Paul's God. That's weird, isn't it? Paul's grace from Paul's God. Philippians 4.19 is where we'll start. Actually, let's start in 1, Philippians 1, and then we'll go to 4.19. Philippians 1.7. Please let me know. When you get there, because I don't want to leave you, and I, I don't want to quote any of these without you. You could just signify it by saying, it's a good day. Good day. Good day. Mm. Have some fast ones. It's a good day. Amen. Okay. All right. Are uh, you there? One seven, Philippians 1.7. This is what he says. I'm just going to read the last little part of it there. 
Um, if you'll look at the last probably eight words, I'm not counting them, but something like that. You are all what? Of what? Of what? A lot of your Bibles don't say that. What do they say? Can you read that? With me of grace. Who else got who's got something else? Good grief, guys. There's a translation that says you're all partakers of my joy. I don't know who translated that. I'd be embarrassed to equate the grace of God with joy. But there literally is. All right. Anybody got anything different? What's yours say? Grace with me. Yeah, grace with me. All right, so look now, if you will, Philippians 4.19. So you, how many, let, 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 me, let me do this. How many of you says you're partakers of my grace? Two. How many of you says something along the lines of you're partakers with me of grace? Like 35, 40, however many the rest of you. All right? All right, so it's either that or with me of grace, right? One or the other, and we had like three. I think somebody raised their hand there at the, towards the end. I don't know how many, 35 plus probably. I don't know what it is of that one. And we're trying to here at Oasis led by the Spirit. That doesn't mean we miss Scripture. What it means is when you're led by the Spirit, get Scripture. Because Scripture by the Spirit. It makes sense? And I want to say this, and people get hung up on this. Uh, the Bible is like a tiebreaker for us to use because people are not spiritual. Me, you, we should be, but we're not as spiritually mature and spiritual as we should be. And so what happens is people tend to do this, right? And when we do this, you got two people, and they're both going to say, but the Spirit told me this. Well, I felt this. Most of the time, both of them are going to say, well, I felt this or I felt that, right? And the problem is our feelings are usually not the Spirit. They're usually our soul. And so what we have is a tiebreaker in the Word, okay? And so it tells us so we don't have all this. But at the same time, the promise of God was never a book. The promise of God is that He, in the form of His Spirit, would indwell us, just like the glory in the Old Testament inhabited the ark. Okay? The difference is you're the ark now if you're born again. He comes and dwells inside you. The glory is in you. You're the tabernacle. Do you, know ye not that your bodies are the temples of the living God? And that's what, that's what Paul said, right? Know ye not your bodies are the temple of the living God. In other words, God, his glory resided in the temple. Amen? So the point being is the Spirit, no matter what, here's what I'm trying to say. There are like 30 translations that should trouble you. It troubles a lot of people. Oh, we got to be really concerned about these translations because... Well, we kind of should, but the point is, if we just get people spirit-filled and they'll be led by the Spirit, they'll all get the same translation. 
Because there's only one spirit and he's only saying one thing. Amen? Amen? There's only one spirit and he knows what he's saying. Does that make sense? So what we really need to focus on is growing people up spiritually so that when they read whatever translation they read, the Holy Spirit says, yes, yeah, this, it's this, it's this, and leads. Because he's the counselor. What do you think he's counseling you on? Think he's counseling you on how to pay your water bill? He probably will, but he'd probably rather not. He'd probably rather counsel you on the Word of God. Right? Amen? So you guys just showed me that 35 to 3 had what I consider to be a wrong translation in your Bible. Now, who am I? I'm just some little person down here in Thompson, Georgia. I didn't translate a Bible. Maybe I should have. Not saying that, but the point being is somebody did, right? You don't know them. Do you know them? What gave them the right to translate a Bible? Tell me about their anointing. Tell me about the power of God in their life. Can anybody tell me any of these things about any of the people that translated these things? No, you can't. You don't know. So you assume because they were intelligent enough to translate from Greek to English that they somehow have a different spirit or more of a spirit than you, but you don't know, do you? They could just be wrong. So let's just look at it. I just want to look at it with you, if you will. I took so long that it went, it went to sleep, so hang on a second. All right. You're in Philippians 4.19 now? Let's go to 4.19. I probably never told you to do that, but let's do that. What does it say? See, so you got this thing here. We're, we're showing something here. Now, this was... This is 1-7 of Philippians. This will be Philippians 4.19. And it says, And my... Whoop. That's good enough. My God. How many of you know that chapter 1 is near the beginning of Philippians? Chapter 4 is near the end of Philippians. This is the last chapter. Amen? Pretty sure. All right. My grace and my God. You see what Paul's setting up here? I don't know how they missed it. My grace in the beginning, and it's my God in the end. Nobody has tried to take my God out of it and make it our God. Although the very next verse says our. And my God, this is 19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Verse 20, now to our God. So obviously the Holy Spirit through Apostle Paul knows the difference, doesn't he? Between my God and our God. And I guarantee you, he knows the difference between my grace and with me of grace. But one of them hadn't been tampered with, although it's the same word originally, my. This one hadn't been tampered with. 
I don't know what the percentage of that is, but it started out with the three. And over time, it's been watered down to the translation of the 35. Did you know that? Interesting. Interesting. Why does it matter? Because it's huge what apostle and the spirit through apostle is telling his church. And if, you, and if we miss it, the church is handicapped, crippled beyond all measure. But let me just share something with you. How many of you, you've, you've heard this verse, right? You've heard this verse. And my God shall supply your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And people tell you all the time, you having a little trouble? Just remember, recite, my God shall supply your every need. My God shall supply your every need, right? You heard it? Come on, if you have, say so. It may even be on our bathroom in there. It may say, my God shall supply your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We say that like it applies to every Christian. Because that's the way it's been preached. But you know, apostle didn't mean that to every Christian. And neither did the Holy Ghost. You ever wonder why some things don't work? You ever wonder why some things don't work? I've heard, I've heard a hundred, literally hundreds of people say, don't worry about it. My God will supply your every need. There's so much more in him saying, my God, and being able to say that to them than the fact that they're Christians. And it's so sad that some people would not recognize that and make that promise to people who are not set up by what they've done to receive that grace. Huh? All right, let's see. Paul's grace from Paul's God. Remember Philippians 1.7. You are all partakers of my And then he goes on to say, my God shall supply, right? My God. Remember, that one hadn't been monkeyed with. It's all the same, right? All your Bibles say my God, don't they? None of them say our God or, or this God of ours. <laughs> None of them say that, right? So it's okay for it to be possessive in him have God, but not of grace hmm. let's keep going so if you will I want to share this with you um, as far as my this is this is the word it's it's moi and it means I me my of me this is the exact translation and the exact conjugation of it in both places. You ready? It's a pronoun indicating possession. Also known as an absolute possessive. E.g. mine, yours, his, hers, its, ours, and theirs. It's also, it's in genitive case, which means... The case that's used to show ownership. Ownership. Hmm? Ownership? Yeah. Okay. And, and there's one last thing. It's singular, which means denoting one person. Right? So, 
if it's possessive, which of these would be possessive? You're partakers along with me according to my grace, or you're partakers along and, and, uh, with me of grace? Isn't that interesting? That's interesting, isn't it? And it, it can't be our grace because it's singular, right? And so literally what we find is that somewhere along the way, somebody thought it was too heady of a thing for a man named Apostle Paul to suggest that people were partakers of some kind of grace that he had. And he must just mean, oh, the grace we all share. It has to mean that. Because he can't literally be saying, you become partakers of my grace, because it's the grace of God, right? So it couldn't possibly... Can you see how people think like that? That aren't led by the Spirit? I have to put that in there. Because if they were, they'd know the difference. I'm not, I hope I'm not, you know, I'm just, I don't know any other way you can make such a big mistake and affect literally millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions over the years and millions of people and how they read this verse. Somebody's got to fix these things. All of us need to. Let me tell you why. If you're a partaker with Paul of grace, what would that mean? What grace are we all partakers of? Amen. The love of God. But you're right. Who said salvation? I heard at least two people. But anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, most everybody thinks salvation when they think of grace. However, we should be smart about this, really. And I caught myself in this same thing this week. Grace has nothing to do with salvation other than it's God's grace that brings us salvation. But it's not salvation. Grace is simply what one of the terms is unmerited favor. In other words, undeserved blessing or favor that you didn't do anything to deserve on your own. Right? And that has nothing to do with salvation per se, except that salvation came to us that way. Does that make sense? But would it shock you to know that other things came to us that way also? Everything that comes from God, every gift of God comes through grace. And yet, 99% of Christians, if you ask them, what is grace? Oh, it's salvation. It's wonderful. That's how you can get somebody to mistranslate something like this. Because it's a misunderstanding. Grace is simply God's favor towards us that we didn't deserve. But it's manifest in many different ways, not just remission of sins. So the important thing to say is, do I own God's saving grace? No. That would, it wouldn't be correct for me to say, you're all partakers of my grace as in saving grace. Because we all partake in that. But I've got to have enough like wherewithal to understand that's not the only thing that might be being said here. Because if there are other graces, then the people I'm speaking to might very well be partakers of my grace. Hmm? 
Make sense? Yeah. So it's it's just really interesting. Uh, I want to keep going because this shouldn't really take all that long. But here's one idea of grace here, Ephesians 2.8. You've been saved by grace through faith. A saving grace, right? We know that the gift of God, though, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not grace. Grace is how the gift was given. Grace means that this tremendous thing was given, although undeserved. That is grace. But grace itself is not the salvation. It's almost like somebody's feeling towards us that would cause them to do such a wonderful thing when we didn't deserve it, right? That's the grace part of it. So grace is the means by which remission of sins came to us. But grace can be the means to other things. Ephesians 3, 2, you ready? Again, same, same author in the same book. But his definition of what grace brought us changes between Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 3 because Paul, by the Holy Spirit, understands that grace has brought different things. Amen. So Ephesians 3, 2, this is what he says. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. Hmm. That's not talking about saving grace, is it? Not necessarily, because what he says has been given to me on your behalf. Now, it very well could be leading to salvation, but let's narrow it down some more. Ephesians 3, 7. You ready? This is what he says. And I'm reading, I'm starting in the middle there because I'm trying to nail this down and not go too long today. You ready? Ephesians 3, 7. He says, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to all of us? No. Me. Anointing. Gifting. Ministry grace. There isn't just one grace. Well, actually, there's one grace multifaceted diamond ring right you got the diamond in the middle and you have all these facets amen and you have this grace and you have all these facets that grace has brought us amen so see to think that it couldn't be my grace that he's talking about is actually not in line with what scripture says at all it very well could be paul's grace amen all right now, the very next verse by the way ephesians 3 8 Apostle Paul says, to me, this grace was given. To whom? To all of us, this grace was given? How many of you, honestly, let's stop right here and just clear this up. How many of you think you move in the same grace that Apostle Paul moved in? I'll wait. Didn't take long. No hands. So you've just confirmed to me that you fully understand he moved in a different grace than you did. So if before, you know, 10 minutes ago, we thought that there was only one grace and that we're all partakers of the same grace, that would be true in a manner of speaking. But when you nail it down, it's not true at all, is it? There are very specific graces. Amen? By the way, if you will, if we're still in this area, I did say I would touch on this, so I will speak on it. Ephesians 3, 7. This is what Apostle Paul said. He said, I became a minister according to the gift, and that's the same word in Ephesians 3, 2, the same meaning, where he said, 
Have, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God that was given to me. And then in 3.7, he says, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. Again, it's the same kind of word as dispensation. In other words, the little portion of grace that was poured out to him to do his job, which had nothing to do with the, with the portion that God poured out to you. It was very specific to him. Amen. So there's not just this grace that belongs to us all. There's a grace that belongs to us all. And out of this grace, certain graces are poured out on all of us. Hmm. Look at what he says, though, because the Lord had me start this, and it wasn't in my notes, talking about hirelings. And it's, it's a very alien thing to God, the idea of a hireling. You understand? Um. The idea, and when I mean hireling, what I mean is that men would hire someone to minister to them. That's very alien to God because everywhere in Scripture, God says that he sends people to minister. So the idea that churches take it upon themselves to hire, you know, and to actually say that, to actually have a contract where we hire you and we do, you see, it's, it's very alien to the truth of who God is. That's all human. It's all human. Because I promise you, nobody gave Jesus an employment contract and said, if you just preach twice a week, we'll pay you 40000 a year plus benefits. I don't get benefits if you're worried about me. You see what I'm saying? It never happened. But that's what we do. Now, that doesn't mean somebody shouldn't get something. What I'm saying is the head has to be the head and the tail has to be the tail. That makes sense? We better make sure when we do something that we're not getting a hireling. However God shows us to do that, we better make sure. Because I'm telling you, we got a ton of them right now in the world. That doesn't mean that everybody's filling that role. I'm not saying they're all hirelings, okay? But what happens is, even if they're not, the people that hired them think they are. And so they treat them as such. That's why you can't have this alien junk in the church, you see. Because there's no order. There's no authority. Come on. And what we say? If you're not set up right, God can only bless you so far. And then he's going to stop. He's going to say, because you read this just like everybody else read this. Right? And you didn't fix it, so you didn't care. You didn't fix it, so you didn't care. You didn't want what I had. Is that fair to say? Because if you did, you'd do it. How many of you, when you wanted salvation, did you do what God said to do? If you wanted it, did you have to do what God said to do? Yeah. So if you're going to do anything else you want to get from God, you better do it the way he said do it. Amen. How many of you did God change the plan of salvation for? Not one. God ain't going to change the plan for churches either. Why do we think he will? What is wrong with us? Probably the same reason we think that grace only applies to salvation. And not all the other things. Maybe. But look at what he says here, by the way. I became a minister, and this is 3-7. I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me. Because I was hired. Is that what church says? When they hired me. When they called me. That makes it sound better. 
Doesn't it make it sound better? Because everywhere in Scripture, God called people. But nowadays, what do we do? We get the congregation to make a call. Why do we do that? Yeah. Well, either, yeah, yeah, either a committee does it or the congregation does it. Sometimes the committee has to bring them before the congregation. They have to agree too. It just depends on what church government is. But the question being here is, why do we go ahead and send a call? Because we're guaranteeing them stuff. Because it's a contract. Because we're hiring them if they agree. Hmm? Nothing wrong with having a contract. But we better make sure that we got things in spiritual order or we're not in line for what God has for us, folks. Amen? Amen? So look at what he says, though. He didn't say, uh, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by what? Uh, my contract or by the people. What did he say? By the effective working of his power. I want to suggest something to you. If somebody is called to full-time ministry, the power of God working in them should be such that it compels people to support them. It shouldn't be backwards that people feel compelled to support them to entice them to come in. See, Paul knew this. That's why he wrote it that way. He said, this is what he said, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, not by any other means. It was the gift of the grace of God that made it possible for me to become a minister, and the way it was manifest among the people is the effective working of his power through me, not through us, not through the grace we all share. Paul said, it worked through me, and when it did, it touched people. And that's how God said, Paul, you just became a minister. Boy, we're tearing down all kind of walls today, boy. And I hate it, but people die over this stuff, so we might as well get it right. Hmm. So then he said, you know, in Ephesians 3.8, To me, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Ephesians 4.7, he says, But to each of us, grace was given. But look at what he said. Is it all the same grace? No. Ephesians 4, 7. To each of us grace was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ in that individual. Right? However much, whatever type, Christ measured it out exactly like he wanted it. Because as we said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to whom? him who can call somebody only jesus any other way any other deal doesn't matter you're going to end up with a hireling i will tell you this 
if you want to see this, and the Lord just reminds me of this, you can look at the life of Elijah because Elijah did not call himself. Nobody gave him a contract. Nobody hired him in ministry and promised him a certain amount if he would do this out of the other. And again, I'm not against those things because people should certainly make a living. Amen. But here's the point. When Elijah was moving in the effective working of his ministry, he could call down fire. <laughs> you think people knew he was called? He didn't need a contract, folks. But as soon as he was not moving in that grace, Jezebel could write him a letter. And he's so scared he'd run three, three counties over and hide in the desert and then catch a train to Namibia. Because the only effective part about a human being's ministry is God's power. It's not what they can say. It's not how they look. It's not how well they can organize. It's not the people they can surround themselves with. Come on, folks. It's the effective working of God's power. That's it. If we base it on anything else, we're bringing brass into God's golden temple. And we're substituting the things that are pure for junk that you make out of mixing gold and mix, mixing metals together. Right? God just can't, he can't bless that like he liked to. Because he has a system. He doesn't change his system, not even for us. I know we're all so special. I mean, I am too. We're all so special. But we're not special enough that the Almighty changes his plan. What we can do is change ours. And he gave us free will to do it. Amen? I'm still breathing. I can still change. I used to listen to this motivational speaker. I love what he said. He would call somebody out. Not necessarily, but just make a statement. And you could see people in the audience going, oh, I do that. And you'd see him. He'd go, hey, change. You got five seconds. Change. Because people tend to have this mental block that somehow they can't change. And that's the stupidest thing in the world. You can change in five seconds. Just say, I'm changing and mean it. That's all you got to do. I don't, I don't like blue jeans. I don't know why I wear them. I'm going to change. Just don't ever wear them again. It doesn't take five days or six years to change something. All it takes is a desire to want to. But anyway... I want to I share this with you. Go back now to Philippians 1-7, where we were, if you were. Because I want to talk to you about this. We've talked about it before, but the Lord told me to go over it. So I'm going to go over it. I don't know if it's for TV land or for us or for both, but we'll go over it. And that way, God will bless us. Amen? That's what we'll do. And I mean YouTube land. You know, whatever, however you want to call it. But uh, yeah. So, you ready? All right. This is what Paul said. And I'm going to read the whole thing this time that the apostle gave us in 1-7, Philippians 1-7. Just as it's right for me to think this of you because I have what? You in my heart in as much as in my chains. What does that mean? He was in prison, right? How many of you know he was in prison? When he was in prison, he was shackled some of the time, all right? So he was in my chains and in the defense of the gospel, defense and confirmation of the gospel, what? You are all partakers somebody said it right praise God we're making a change of my grace we have now we, we pretty much fleshed that out he's talking about the grace God gave him through ministry 
And what he's saying is, he's not saying, folks, a lot of people want to think that they got saved because of Paul's grace. And by the way, they did, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about he had a grace to go to the Gentiles and couldn't do it by himself. He needed help. And what he's thanking these people for is being a part of his ministry. And this has been totally missed by so many people. He is thank and, and we, this is so important to understand. Literally, what he's saying is because you guys gave to the ministry, you share in the grace that God's given me. Amen. See, it's a spiritual principle that Satan edited out because Satan doesn't want people to know that they can participate in the grace of a ministry and it'll come back on them in a blessing. Amen. He wants you to only think in terms of a tithe. Well, I got a tithe. You know, it's always been in the Bible. Got a tithe. Just got a tithe. Got to. No blessing in it if you have to. You already got your reward. Just in walking up there. Right? Understand that. I feel like I ought to say something, and I kind of hesitate, but I'm just going to say this. I was talking with a gentleman that had a big business deal, and the question was whether he, he could change one answer on the sheet, and his interest rate would drop. And I think he said it'd save him $1,000 a month over the whatever 10 years or whatever, or maybe the yeah five or 10 years that, that the thing would be going. And he said, and, and I'm just talking to you, Lee. I just want to know, you know, what you think about this and everything. And I said, well, you know, your, your conscience already answering your question. He goes, what do you mean? I said, you're asking me. The Holy Ghost already told you. Now he's at a crossroads because he can save that money and nobody will ever know. It's just a little bitty white thing. But I'm talking about what Satan says. Right? But you know what he did? He chose the high road. He said, I, I, I get it. He said, I'm willing to do it. I'll pay another 1000 a month. Called the next day, told it like it was. Course of conversation, the person said, what about your other loans? Maybe we can use this on your other loans. Now he's saving 2000 a month. For I don't know how many years. But he's a partaker in the grace that God gave to the ministry because he started hearing the word of God and he changed the way he did business. Hmm? And now he honors God. And you know what God does? He says, he allows me to say to him, my God will supply your every need. I ain't talking about to everybody because not everybody does that. But because of what he does, just like the Philippians did for Paul, I can look at him and say, my God will supply your every need. And he doubles it. So don't tell me what is and what isn't. I see it all the time. But see, Paul had seen it on a grander scale. He knew this stuff. He'd seen it everywhere he went. Amen? But if you edit this out of church, if you edit this out of the church, edit it out of Scripture, nobody ever knows. They never know. It's such a shame.
because Paul needed that support to start the churches that we read about in Revelation. Hmm? And God needs support all over the world today from people that need to know that he'll bless them. Amen? Isn't that something? But you can just edit it out and make it, oh, it's just all our grace. It's just, you know. So I want to show you, let's just, and, and we've done it before, but I'll just hit a few high spots here if it's all right with you. So he says, you know, you're partakers of my grace. But I want you to see something. Philippians 1.5. He thanks them for their what in the gospel? Are you looking at it? For your fellowship. That's an interesting word, fellowship. Because in the Bible, right here anyway, it's koinonia. Koinonia, which means fellowship. But when Paul's using it here, he ain't talking about fellowship. You know what he's talking about? The second meaning of koinonia. Koinonia, the share which one has in anything, participation. Fellowship, intimacy. Actually, he's talking about the third one. I thought it was the second one. It's the third a benefaction jointly contributed, a contribution. When he's talking to the Philippians, he's thanking them for their monetary gifts. He's thanking them for their offerings so that he could go on the mission field and start these churches. Read it with that revelation in mind. I thank God upon every remembrance of you. You ready? Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all. You there? With joy. For your fellowship, for your contributions in the gospel. From the first day until now. Many people read that, most in fact, and think Paul's thanking them that they've been praying for him from the first day till now. He, our fellowship, he ain't got nothing to do with that. He's thanking them for monetarily supporting them from the first day even until now. We'll prove it. It'll be, it'll be proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. I don't know how, but I mean, as far as, I don't know how we miss it so much, but anyway, that's what it is. He says, You've been with me from the first day till now. Verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. Again, this is often used as a once saved, always saved scripture, and it has not one single thing to do with salvation. He's talking about the work that they began to these churches, that even when he's gone, and even when they're gone, the work's going to go to the completion. He is fully assured that what they started, God will complete. Even after he's left the earth, even after they've left the earth, that work will go forward. And here we are. Thank you. The Gentile. How many of you you are a Gentile to preach out of Paul's gospel? Amen. The work still going on. God will complete it. It will have nothing to do about keeping somebody in salvation. I don't know where that came from. You with me? But then, in verse 7, he said, you know, I, I think about you. And look at what he says. Just as it's right for me to think of you in this, of you all. Why is it right? Because I have you in my heart. Why did he have him in his heart? 
Is it because they're good Christians? I hate to be like that. No, it's not. It's because they gave of their hard-earned money so he could go. It's because out of their necessity, out of their need, they have shared with him in the gospel. They have given when he was in prison. And they've given when he was defending the gospel and confirming the gospel. They sacrificed so the gospel could go forth. And I'll suggest to you, that's why he said, my God makes you a partaker of my grace. Because of what they did along with him. It started to make sense now, doesn't it? All right. And, and so having said that, having said that, and knowing what koinonia means now, let's turn back to the end. You know, we're at the beginning in chapter 1. Turn back to the end now in chapter 4 and uh, look at it with me, if you will. I, I think we'll probably start with uh, verse 10, chapter 4, verse 10. These, will, these should fly, fly by. This is what he says now. Remember, in the beginning, he was thanking them for their fellowship in the gospel, their money, their contributions. Right? And then we pick it up here, verse 10. He says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now, at last, at last, your care for me has flourished again. What kind of care you think he's talking about? I was going to say, it's, it's contributions. It could be food. What it is, is giving that has supported the ministry. He's not talking about, oh, your thoughts and prayers. I'm not against thoughts and prayers, but that's most people, that's all I think about. You know? Thoughts and prayers don't send evangelists to the mission field, folks. They help, but it takes other things too. And if you edit that out, you can effectively stop the work of God. That's why he says it like this. He says, I'm very thankful that now at the end, remember what, remember what we read. You remember what we read, right? From the first day till now. From the first day till now. Philippians 1 5. I'm thankful that from the first day till now. Guess where now is? Verse 10. I'm rejoicing in the Lord greatly that now, at last, from the first day till now, I'm thankful that now at last your care for me has flourished Again, again, what? From the first time till now. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Look what he says. Not that I'm speaking in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And, this, and people quote the scripture out of context all the time. Well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Know that the Holy Spirit pinned that through Apostle Paul talking about ministry, this specific instance of ministry. And you hear it quoted to mean you could pull a dump truck out of a sand pit with an ant. And that's not any more what he meant than the cow flew over the moon. And again, I will say, you wonder why these things quoted so often don't work. Right? And, 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 and the Lord gets me fired up because people get squashed believing these scriptures. But they're believing the wrong interpretation. 
And people have become atheists. People become people that doubt God. They've become people that got burnt out and don't go to church anymore because they stood on these things that some preacher preached to them and it wasn't in context and God was never going to work it that way. He never was going to do it that way because it's not written that way. Hmm? Okay. And this, this says... Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now look at verse 14 though. Nevertheless, even though I can, even though I can have little and I can be blessed. He's what he says. I can do all these things. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. They gave again, folks. Look at verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, remember from the beginning till now, Remember the parallel between chapter 1 and chapter 4? This whole thing has been a thank you note with a lot of instruction in the middle. But this whole thing has been a thank you note to his ministry partners, the Philippians. Amen? Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I, de when I set forth or departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. If you didn't get it till now, let me tell you, he tells you for sure he's been talking about contributions the whole time. No church partnered with me. I couldn't go. Or at least I was absolutely destitute in going, and you only partnered with me. You getting it? Look at verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not, and look, at, I want you to hear this, because this is the heart of a true shepherd. Any true shepherd is the heart, right? Because God takes care of us. But listen to this, because remember, the people don't hire you. God hires you. And if you keep your mind on that, you're fine. It's when you believe the people owe you something that you start acting weird. Having been somebody that God started out with eight people and nothing, I can tell you, if you just remember God's your supply, everything else works, right? And this is what he says. Look at what he says. Verse 17, not that I seek the gifts, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. If you did not believe what I said, that there is a grace that will multiply to the people that partner with the ministries that they are called to, understand it now. Right? And the point is, the churches are not blessed because they're not hearing that, so they can't do it. The people aren't blessed. And the pastors think they're helping them by not talking about money. I don't want to talk about money. Well, I, won't need, I got news for you. The people need money. They need the money God has for them. But they're not in position for the money God has for them because you ain't taught them the truth that they need to be given. And if they would give, it would abound to them. But because we don't want to talk about money and look like we're all about money, nobody gets any money. Except the devil and his people. And, that, and I don't know if you guys realize this. The devil's people don't spend their money on godly things. <laughs> they don't help the gospel go around the world. Amen? So we look at it. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, he says, I have all in abound. I'm full. Having received, this is what he said, I love this. 
having received from Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you. See, they've started giving again. How from the beginning to the end. You remember from the beginning to the end. You remember Koinonia? I said it was not that we all sat around and sang Kumbaya together in Christ. It was that they had partnered to give. It was that they had partnered to give. Amen? And then you're seeing it over and over and over. Now I have all and abound. I'm full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. That is the precursor to Philippians 4.19. Without that, you don't have rights to Philippians 4.19. I have people quoting it all the time to me. I don't worry about it. My God will supply you every need. I'm like, you don't even have a God. Hush. I don't mean that, but I mean, you don't have any rights to say that to me. That was said in a certain context, and you don't even meet the requirements for the context. You have no idea what you're saying. Having met all of those contextual requirements, Apostle says this by the Holy Spirit, and my God, the one who sent me, shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And he's fully okay in the face of God saying it that way. Because God sent him, and God used them to provide. And it's fully his grace that they become partners with. Not that they don't have their own, they do. But they're not called to that type of ministry. So the way that they can partake of the ministerial blessing is to partner with Paul. And in doing so, he can look back at them and say, I don't get to go out every day and build a house and make a $30,000 check. I don't get to do that. It's not what I'm called to do. But because you bless the ministry, the blessing that flows to me flows to you. That is his part that he's able to give. Amen? Amen. It's a shame that it's been edited out. But we haven't edited it out. Amen? Amen. It makes sense? So, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. One other thing I need to tell you. If you're going to qualify for that and you're going to do that, just know you need to read the word supply in Greek. The English is very weak there. Supply sounds like, you know, well, I'll supply you. That word means to supply in abundance. There's no other translation for that word except in abundance okay so what he's saying is my God is going to fill you up because you honored him in this way amen isn't God good so help us get the message out help us send the videos out Share them. You don't even have to tell people about this, guys. It's so easy. Share today's video. 
tell somebody what it meant to you and ask them to look at it. God can work through it. We're making it so easy. You literally don't have to even sit down and have a conversation. You can just share it through Facebook. If you can't do that, I don't know what else we can do. Amen? It's so easy now to get the word out. It is so easy to give people a reason to come to church and learn the word of God. It is beyond easy to get them to love God's word and to want more of it. It couldn't be any easier than it is in this video age. Amen? All right.